welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited to have Dr. Dwaraka Vetpale, a medical doctor who's transformed her life and moved into wellness by teaching meditation. Now we will hear all about this journey in the podcast. So welcome Dwaraka. Thank you, Shami. So great to be here. I can't stop smiling. (laughs) Awesome. So for our listeners, Dwaraka and I are amazing friends we go way back like 10 12 (laughs) years and we had this beautiful journey we went to tanzania to get together and oh it was so much fun that's why there'll be a lot of giggles in this podcast i'm sure yes shami even thinking about it i'm literally giggling yes absolutely now today's podcast i would love for us to share our journey into meditation and what it means for both of us and how it helps us in life and especially managing stress Now, I'm going to start by saying, you know, that saying, I don't have time to meditate. And those who say it are those who need it. What do you think about that, Dorica? Shami, I love that quote. I remember coming across that years ago, probably about five, six years ago, or even longer than that, actually. Time flies, I guess. And when I came across that, it was a real, what Oprah might say, aha moment. Because the perception is, oh, I can't just sit and do nothing. That's wasting time. Don't know about you. So what do I think of that? I think it's a genius quote. I forget who quoted it. It's brilliant. Absolutely. I would love for you to share your journey into meditation. And and I'll share mine because, you know, we all started from a place of, I started from a place of resistance. I remember my husband saying, oh, have you tried to meditate? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And I just, the thought of it was so restricting. And he said a really good point, Dwarka, about you know, what your initial perception of meditation of doing nothing. And wow, like, you know, both of us, you know, went through med school and on that medical journey and, you know, constantly setting goals and constantly trying to achieve and doing nothing was possibly conditioned into something bad or yet, would you say it's something bad? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how I got that conditioning, Shami. Certainly even to this day, I'm mindful that I perceive it as a not good thing, doing nothing. So even relaxing sometimes has to be an active process. So to answer your question, yes, in a way, it does give me a a discomfort to do nothing. So in that way, I'm perceiving it as bad still. Yes. And I wonder where and how that came from. But I guess regardless, it is my state often. Yes. Absolutely. And it's so funny you say that, that conditioning. I remember just growing up and it's like, oh, don't waste time. Don't waste time by doing nothing. Always, you know, as though we were constantly, you know, we're on this journey of, we're so time conscious, like every moment counted. It was actually quite hilarious just thinking about it, you know, just growing up and like, ah, just don't sit and watch TV or you can't be sitting and doing nothing. You've got to be always achieving something. And only now, probably in the last couple of years, I'm trying to unlearn that. <laughs> and it's actually really hard. It's actually really hard to sit and relax and do nothing because you said it beautifully. It's uncomfortable at the moment. It's uncomfortable. I love what you said. Oh, unlearn. There you go. I mean, I did in the past 
go into my slightly spiritual ego or whatever we want to call it and just have a little bit of blame tactic. Oh, it's because when I was younger, you know, I was made to study or do homework, <laughs> yes. and, you know, and I did go into slightly victim mode. I'm going to be totally honest. And now I'm aware, doesn't matter who, but the conditioning and I have chosen to think of it as, it's like, Shami, I feel guilty. So doing nothing makes me feel like, oh, I'm not being useful in a way. I don't really even have a word for it. I love what you said. So exactly like you said, I'm unlearning those, in a way, those thoughts and beliefs. God knows where and how I got them, but yeah. And it seems to be pervasive. When it's a pervasive, not only in my life with myself, but it seems to be quite a common thing, Shami. But like when I speak to yourself or other like-hearted people, especially high-achieving people, a lot of us, I think it might run like as a common theme. We feel guilty to relax. Certainly I've come across that with its patients, whether it's friends or acquaintances that we mingle with. There's this general thing in society, and I'm talking about the global, it's more of a global issue, I think, or a wider issue, shall I say, than not being able to relax. And also, for example, we're on the phone or we're on our devices. We're always doing something. Absolutely. Rather than being, I'm still working on it. Still working on, <laughs> have I done my list of things to do on the day? You know, it's hilarious. You wake up and you've just got this to-do list and you're just constantly achieving. And when do you prioritize time of doing nothing? And why is that actually important? We're always on this rat race of constantly, okay, now I've got time. Let me fill that up with something exciting, but it's just literally filling it up. And it is the conditioning of society. It's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, often you go back to work on a Monday and everyone's talking about what did you do in the weekend? And for years, I felt compelled to make sure I did something great. <laughs> We can talk about it. And as soon as you say, actually, I chilled and did nothing, it was sort of frowned upon. It just sat, people couldn't engage in a conversation like that. I actually didn't feel like I was accepted into this community if I didn't do something great over the weekend. How funny is that, right? How funny we're sort of conditioned into different behaviors. Oh my God. I'm reflecting as you're saying with a slightly open mouth, literally going, I love what you shared about you practice doing nothing. I'm actually reflecting that I hardly allowed myself to do nothing in the weekend. I'm not trying to say, see, I wonder if it's because I'm wanting to be a martyr. I don't really know. But like, I remember going back, yeah, on a Monday and you're right. Monday or are you you're chatting about the weekend? Oh, I tell you what, I'm going to fess up. I used to judge when people say I sat in the garden and did nothing. I used to feel, oh, how lucky are you? Or I would feel like, oh, I would have been one of those just to <laughs> <That> judge. <laughs> yeah. And it's, isn't it interesting? Because actually, if you really asked my inner core self, I think that's actually what I would have yearned to have done. So it's really interesting. You might even judge me for saying that, that I judge. I guess once I can own up to that, then I can see where is that coming from? It might resonate with some of us listening here that, as you were saying that, two things went on. Number one, I would have been one of those people judging. But where is that coming from within me? Number two is that I don't even think I allowed myself to sit and do nothing. Don't get me wrong. There'll be times when I'm meeting up with a friend, so doing something and then sitting in the park. Yeah. So that was, it seemed to be okay because I was still doing something. But there was still an underlying feeling of, oh, I'm just sitting still. 
there's almost like an underlying fibrillation. I don't know whether I'm getting too technical, but it's underlying this unease. That's it. Unease, unease. that's it. Yes. Doing nothing. It's got better, but I love what you're saying about the weekends. Isn't it interesting? It's almost like we want to have something to tell somebody that we did. Yes. Wow. To be part of a social conversation. And, you know, if someone says do nothing, the conversation kind of (laughs) ends, to be honest, right? Yes, you're so right. Okay. Let's move on quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can we we play a scenario? What if Shami comes in and she goes, okay, you know what, Shami? What if the conversation was to go like this? For example, like the new way of being. Shami comes and tells me, I don't know. Okay, we can even role play it. But like you come and say, oh, hey, Shami, how was the weekend? Oh, I just chilled and did nothing. Okay, and let's do it. The new way of my being or our being. Go on, let's do it. Let's have a giggle. Hey, Dwarka, how are you doing? It's been such a long I'm, time. I'm doing really well, Shami. Sorry, I'm giggling. I'm doing really well. How are you? Hey, how was your weekend? I actually did nothing all weekend. I pretty much stayed in my pajamas and um, decided to chill on the couch. (laughs) I'm actually laughing at my own self right now, trying to act it out. It's not coming because natural because right kind of gone a bit that judgment now, but okay, all right. So what, the whole weekend? Pretty much actually, pretty much. I read a few books and then I just sat on the couch. Actually on Sunday afternoon, I sat on the couch and looked out of the window and just reflected. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yes. So what's going on for me right now is that's not normally what I hear from others. It's a bit different. Wow. Okay. When you're telling me you had all the stuff to do last week, do you know what? I wish I could do that. Didn't you tell me that you had like a lot of stuff to do? Like, I don't know, you had to. Yeah, that's true. The week before, it was packed. This Sunday, I just sat and reflected. Wow. It was really interesting because I actually try to just be fully present and I just suddenly realized how you know how your thoughts just constantly race from past to future past to future your to-do list what's going to happen on the Monday morning and I for the moment I go I'm just going to sit in this present moment and look at the garden look at nature and just observe and I was just observing the butterflies and I was observing the birds and and luckily we've got a river that flows behind and I was just observing the water and I just stood there going how often do we miss the present moment how important it is to be completely present like we're going through life and pretty much 50% of it we're missing because our thoughts are literally moving back and forth from past to future and I go wow I want to be present we're missing the present moment it was such a beautiful experience to be just fully mindful right now I know you can't see my face. I am feeling what you're saying and it feels like I am there. It sounds and feels so much calmer than a normal doing list. As you said about the butterfly and the water behind, I found myself visualizing that. I love what you brought up, mindfulness. And as I say, even when doing the role play, I was trying to be judgmental, but I found myself giggling because I actually thought that is so cool. You did nothing. In the past, I would have been, yes, more judgmental. And I think the reason is because I think of it as wasting time. As you said, Shami, that I'm a recovering overthinker. I love how you say that. In a (laughs) lighthearted way. I love what you shared about the thoughts. I have 
experienced, I think, most of my life from what I can understand, or certainly adult life. Yes, finding my thoughts going from one thing to the other and then overthinking. And then I remember hearing this beautiful wisdom share, which a lot of people may be familiar with. When we're thinking of the future, we can experience anxiety. I'm paraphrasing. And when we think of the past, we can often feel a bit low or sad or depressed. And it's interesting how, from my personal experience, thoughts of it have meant that I am either anxious or sad. And I know you and I have spoken about being present, and I love how we empower each other. I love what you said about you being present, just observing. And even listening to this, what was meant to be a role play, which is really cute, that even when you were telling me about the butterfly in the water, it made me share that experience with you and feel in the present. I love that. What? I love that. And it's really interesting because in that moment, I felt I needed it. I had such yeah. a busy week of thinking and doing and problem solving and finding solutions. I literally yeah. needed time out. I needed my mental space. And I needed it to do absolutely nothing. I didn't want to think because it was just overloaded of brain activity for the entire week. And this is when I found, wow, this is the joy of meditation or mindfulness is you have these mental breaks. You know, how often do we go in our day? We're constantly thinking, constantly problem solving, taking on different roles, and we never have a moment to breathe. It's like, I would call it like the brain breathing, <laughs> taking a deep breath, having a <gasps> mindful moment. I love that analogy, the brain. Wait, that deserves a little a space. The brain almost taking a deep, slow. <gasps> oh, it feels like that. I love that, Shami. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And so when I really thought about it, wow, we need to give ourselves time to take these deep breaths, not only for our brain to rest, but, you know, for our body to rest, like to come out of that sort of underlying, not full-blown fight or flight response, but always on the go response. <gasps> what do I need to do next? What have I done? Am I on time? What haven't I done? So we're always in that chronic low-grade fight or flight response. And having these mindful moments, we can let go of them. We don't need to hold on to them. And I found it such a nice way of expressing managing stress is, yeah, you're going to have stressful moments in the day, but you don't have to hold on to them. And meditation mindfulness is such a great way of letting go. It's like a pathway to letting go of that stress. Yes, of surrender, of almost what's coming up for me is like holding your fist really clenched is how my mind feels and I'm not even aware uh, and perhaps others may resonate in their own analogy uneasiness I love what you're saying this low-grade fight or flight absolutely it feels a sense of unease and to be a nerd it feels almost like for medics out there might would understand, but and I don't want to just keep it just to the medics, but it's almost like heart muscle when it's not working properly, it sort of has a little bit of a, an uneasy fibrillation. I feel like my general whole self in my mind as well feels that way. And mindfulness, yeah, I love what you said. It's like letting go. It helps me surrender. It helps me unclench almost metaphorically myself, my fist, and just almost... Sounds cliche, be more like water, allow. Hard to do though, Shami, have you noticed that? It gets better with practice. Absolutely, but I'd love to go through one of the myths of meditation where 
it's meant to be I don't think of any thoughts and I actually thought that when I started it many years ago hold on a sec I'm still thinking and thoughts are still coming in and I suddenly realized it's not meant to be zero thoughts it, we're on this journey we're on this long journey it can take a lifetime to eventually lead to that but it's literally just being the observer of your thoughts and just sitting with your thoughts which can be actually quite really difficult or painful for some people you've got to start from somewhere and that's where mindfulness comes in where you're just being fully present and i often say to patients the best time to start being mindful is during mealtime so if you're at work and you're eating lunch alone or eating breakfast alone that's the best time to start where you don't turn on the tv or the radio or you know look at your phone you're actually fully present when you're eating and just being aware of all your senses when you're eating so what does it feel like look like taste like and that's your first tiny step to being fully present and believe it or not just reflecting on the day how often do we fully present with just one task we're so used to multitasking we're so used to being entertained so it's really hard for the mind to adjust to a new way of behaving. Wow. How often do we sit and focus on the, I love what you shared about the eating. It's interesting, even when I I practice that, I find myself thinking, I should eat faster so I can get on. (laughs) Uh, And yet, you're right, Shami, it made me, in a way, it's also helping me raise my awareness of how, not to live in regret, but how little I used to do that and just rush through food Granted, helps when in the working life you have time to eat. Often, perhaps most medics and, and non-medics who have a very busy life would resonate with, often have you noticed we have food on the go or sandwich yeah. while you're checking results? or And even if it'll be wonderful to still bring in an element of mindfulness, I guess in those years I wasn't aware of being mindful. I would scoff on my sandwich, quickly get through that. It's not physically good for, for me. It's not mentally but I'm trying to get the results done or get the home visit, you know, and you're exhausted. I love that you share with your patients or I love it because I share that too about food being a good opportunity. And also you're able to then digest properly. You're able to then perhaps even eat less because you're not like me in the past, stuffing yourself with more food. We can have less in amount. And Shami, you can all bring that in, as you know, in, we can bring that in our walking, in our... Yes, in, so I, true. I tell you what I find really helpful is when I'm doing the dishes. I find that's a lovely way too. How do you feel? I never thought about that, but so true, just being focused on one task. That is mindfulness, just being, you know, totally focused on one task. It's really interesting when I speak to patients about mindfulness, I go, you know you're training the brain when you don't go back and check on things. For example, number of times I used to go back and check, have I locked the front door or has is the car locked or is the gas cooker turned off? And over the years with just mindfulness practice, I noticed I didn't need to do that because at that moment in time, I was fully present. And so I was aware that, yep, I've done it because often our thoughts are elsewhere. So when we're locking the door, our thought would be, we're at that next step or where do I need to go? Or how am I going to get there? And we literally forget what we're doing or we're not fully present with what we're doing. Yeah, so it's a journey, (laughs) isn't it? It's a journey. And I love what you said, you know, just washing the dishes fully present and enjoying that activity. I love that. You know why you're making me giggle? Because I'm like, oh, thank God, Shami does that too. (laughs) Because there are times times when I've actually gone back and checked if the door is locked 
two or three times. Now that might be my little OCD quirk. And I just, I remember the other day smiling at myself at doing that and going, oh, Dwarika, bless you with the little OCD you've got going on here. But what's interesting is my mind was active and I was thinking of different things. I really inspired by what you shared that you are now having to, or you've noticed, or from my understanding, you've noticed that you're rechecking things less and that you've shared this with others as well. That is wonderful, Shami. I am going to actually step up in my, when I'm locking the door next time, I'm actually going to be more mindful. You know what? On reflection, I find that only happens if I'm preoccupied mentally. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Absolutely. And often we're thinking, ah, where do I need to get to? Do I know how I'm going to get there? And it's amazing how our mind races that we are just not present in that moment. But Dorica, I'd love for you to share your initial journey into meditation. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and how perfection came into it and how you were battling with that. Yeah. You know, so see me giggling because I'm loving, almost self-observing how far I encourage more of us, including myself, to honor ourselves for how far we've come. When you, as you ask that question, I do giggle, Shami, because I am, I say this lightheartedly, and what I like is seeing other people giggle is because it lightens the mood. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm mindful of saying positive things after the words I am. I say that lightheartedly because yes, perfectionism has been something that Consciously and unconsciously, I've been dancing with for as long as I can remember. And how did I start meditating? Well, it wasn't like one sort of epiphany that suddenly made me go, right, I need to start meditating. It's sort of as the beautiful universe does, as higher self does. I've been having little hints or I've become aware that meditation is meant to be good for you and so on. But I remember being skeptical or not poo-pooing it, but just sort of thinking, nah, it sounds a bit naff, or it sounds a bit boring, or or not really giving it a go, being in judgment of it. And it's interesting that you bring up perfectionism. It has helped almost as a bonus, my tendency to be perfectionist, because I'm also aware in my understanding of life so far, and from my understanding, perfectionism can be related to anxiety and fear. So meditation is really, I'll come to, I don't specifically remember the date I started, but it's been a long time now. I went through a difficult life event in 2009. I say difficult, it was difficult at the time, but now I know it was one of the most freeing events of my life because it took me more inwards rather than doing. So I, in 2009 or 10, I would say I started really properly meditating. That's how my journey started from really me, I tell you what, it was in 2008 when this life event happened, I remember thinking, right, Dwarika, that's enough. Time to do things differently. What do you want? And it was more from a place of a little bit of anger, but irritation that I seemed to be people pleasing all over the place. And people pleasing has a common theme, I feel, with perfectionism, both of which I've danced with. I'm going to say that rather than be in victim mode. I danced with both of them for most of my life. And both of them, Shami, as we know, is related to anxiety. What will they think if I don't do this? What will they think of me? And, oh, will I upset my loved one if I don't do this? 
again, it's about doing, isn't it, in a way? And my perfectionist streak would be, oh, I've got to get the done perfectly. And the all or nothingness that I was present to, which was, so I have a long list of stuff to do always. I, I, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they say never say always and never say never. I can honestly, most of the time, if not always, have a long list. And then, Shami, I have a list of the list of things I have to do. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and it contributes to my clutter, like lists of paper. It's a work in progress. So, and I realize it's, and I don't complete that list, Shami, or I didn't used to, I'm getting better, but I found myself not completing a task unless it's done perfectly. Wow. So you can imagine it takes a long time to then complete something because I'm worried about doing it either perfectly or not getting started at all. So you see, those are just little hints of the level of anxiety, which if we move on to that, brings me to a bigger topic of, I used to feel very alone. I'm portraying a bit of a sad story here. I'm very passionate about being real and authentic to as much as I consciously know to be. And it's a work in progress because I used to feel ashamed of owning up to my perfectionist streak. Or I, first of all, I wasn't even aware, but also people pleasing. Actually, Shami, you're one of the few people who's helped me realize my fixing mode or trying to peer please mode. It's not that you overtly came up with it, but like beautiful, empowered friends like you have helped me reflect on those traits. And really, so to answer your question about meditation, meditation is one of the few factors. It's not the only thing. There's been other practices that I've brought in that have really helped and being mindful has really helped me be, number one, be aware of where I'm being perfectionist. And number two, then kind of let go of that anxiety. And I found that as a result of me progressively over the years, getting a bit more peaceful in myself, the tendency to be perfectionist has kind of calmed down a bit. It still rears its little head when I am lacking sleep or so on. And it's not a completed journey. Maybe part of the journey is to dance with stuff and embrace it. But yeah, it's, I don't know whether I'm... Yeah, I'm I know, answered. absolutely, absolutely. So perfectionism on so many levels in how meditation actually helps release that. But also when we were talking earlier about you were trying to be perfect in meditating as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. You were trying oh, to become a perfect it. meditator. <laughs> oh, I love, oh, right. Is that what you meant? Oh, Shami, I love that. Oh, must share that. Yes. So to the audio listeners out here, I want to say, it's so funny. I was saying to Shami recently that, oh, I'm so excited about doing this podcast. I felt a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a fraud because I'm not a perfect meditator yet. (laughs) (laughs) And because for the listeners here, I want you to know that if you feel in any way like this, you're not alone. I echo that. I used to think, and I still do clearly, I'm glad I came up with that to you, Shami. I feel like, oh my God, I'm still not as good enough as the monks. Now, how do I know the monks aren't thinking the same way? How do I know the monks aren't going, oh no, there goes another thought. Oh no, I'm not as good as my brother next to me. You know? It's like the comparing, how do we know? So essentially, I keep thinking, the reason I feel like a fraud to Shami, even coming on the podcast to share about meditation, was because I still keep getting thoughts. 
Exactly. And we were just laughing about that because that's a whole journey, isn't it? A whole yes. journey. We will be getting thoughts. It's about yeah. not being so sticky and letting it go, but just sitting with our yeah. thoughts. Yes. And it's funny because I've been meditating for years and I remember for some reason, I don't know why, but I got into my head that I must be free of thoughts. And it's more latterly in the last years. And thank you, as you shared earlier on today, it's not about being free of thoughts, being zero thoughts. It's about observing them. And I tell you what's really helped is bringing mindfulness into it as well as the meditation. They're very similar, aren't they? Yeah. It's like they're very symbiotic. They work together, don't they? That is one and the same. I love that. It's observing the thoughts. So you're right, Shami. I am good at meditating as as much as I can be in for myself. And you know what? It's my personal best, not comparing to others. So I'm better today than I was last week, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got a treat for our listeners because Dwarika is going to go through a two-minute meditation before we finish the podcast. But before we do that, Dwarika, is there anything else you'd like to share about meditation? Because once a patient said to me, oh, now that you've mentioned it, like from more of a scientific point of view, I think I'm going to do this because it's often thought, I don't know what term you would give it, but you know, airy-fairy, whatever term you give it, we're not convinced that meditation is important. And what I'd love to share it, it's amazing, actually, the amount of research papers out there. I think there's like thousands of research papers on meditation and what it does to your brain chemistry and even brain structures. And one thing that really stands out for me was one of the papers showing because of functional MRIs, which is a way of actually looking at how the brain functions in real time, It actually showed the amygdala, which I've mentioned in my previous podcast about how the amygdala is the center of detecting emotion, detecting fear, and then it's the pathway of triggering the fight or flight response. And literally with meditation, it decreases the size of the amygdala. So that means you actually become less reactive to stresses. So something that would have irritated you, it could be way people drive or red lights, do not irritate you anymore and you become less reactive to it. So much more peaceful. And I've experienced that actually. It was incredible on a personal journey. We went to Bodhgaya in Northern India, and this is where people who practice Buddhism go. And it's a very sacred place. And many people actually meditate under the Bodhi tree. So we were there for a couple of days and we were all meditating and I go, oh. and it, I found it a struggle. It was so distracted. And it just amazed me how the monks were meditating for hours on end. And I said to myself, right, so what can I meditate on? And I just meditated on that my amygdala will decrease in size. And that's all I did. And it was so interesting because three days later, we had to take a flight to another city in India. And we got to the airport and all of a sudden they said, oh, your flight's canceled because of the weather. And I was shocked by the way I reacted because I go, oh, okay we'll think about something else to do. And there was no anger, no frustration, no sadness or fear because we were going to take another connecting flight. I was just absolutely shocked the fact that I wasn't overreacting to this. And we talked about a solution, we found another solution and we went on our way. And so that was a very personal story of the power of meditation and what it actually is doing to your brain chemistry. I love that. I love it when you share this. So it's so present with you. I love what you shared about amygdala. I was blown away, Shami. I can't remember being taught this to this degree at medical school because I would say I 
taught myself more about the amygdala and, and so on. I love what you're sharing. I was blown away when I heard about the amygdala growing smaller over time. And I know, please don't mind me, I can't remember the dates of the exact research, but as you said, there's lots of research. It took a while for, so meditation, as you know, has been a practice, actually, that's been done for thousands of years. And it's been around for a long time by various cultures with ancient wisdom. They've been practicing that for a long time. Sadly, research, as generally is the case, is a bit late to catch on. Nevertheless, we've got lots of research now. And I love what you're sharing. And one of the research I remember reading about the prefrontal cortex also becoming larger, you know, the more logical, the more sort of the one that balances out in a way the amygdala in 70 year olds, in 70 plus year olds and more compared to 20 something year olds, because they, you know, in the 70 something year olds who are meditating, when we have sort of, in a way, evidence like that, even the most skeptical people like my previous self tend to be a bit more open to it, right? I feel. And I started feeling, oh, okay, now I might, you know, I've been meditating for a while anyway, but by the time I started learning about that kind of research, but it really helped me calm down my skeptical part of me. I love what you said. So you focused on the amygdala getting smaller. Oh, I love that. Shami, I love your example about in the airport. I love that example. And it's interesting how... I'm not even fully present at times to how much better I am as a person, calmer, less reactive, taking things less personally, or basically being less reactive, less in stress mode than I used to be. And I love what you're sharing because it's nice to reflect on how far we've come. I share this with patients as well. And I'm grateful to say that a lot of them have come back and said, thank you so much, doctor. It's transformed my life. And I would say to them, my goodness, No need to thank me because it's transformed my life too, this meditation or mindfulness, no matter how small you bring into your life. It is life transforming, I feel. I love what you said about the amygdala. Shami, as we know, there are people may be present to the fact that it can help our hormone health from diabetes by reducing cortisol, which is a stress hormone. It can also help, you know, female and thyroid hormone health. It can help us sleep better. It can help our fulfillment in life. It can help calm us down and help our digestion. Have you noticed a lot of us suffer from IBS, for example? It can help. There is so much that we can list, isn't there, Shami, that people might find as a trigger word for them going, oh, you know, it's the pain points. There are so many pain points and we are all unique individuals that it can help. And for fear of not being boring and reading out a whole list, right? There are so many benefits. I encourage people to look into meditation and mindfulness. The benefits are, and that's just some of the benefits that we know about. There is way more benefits that we can, how do you feel? Like in terms of the list of benefits, I'm blown away. Absolutely. And on that note, Dorica, can can you take us through like a two minute meditation? And for those listeners who are in the car, please, you know, listen to this at home in a quiet place and, you know, in, and when you're relaxed and not on the go, which is what we're trying to aim to do as well. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. And in addition to what Shami just said, I want to invite you to, you can always listen to this later if you prefer, ensure as Shami said, it's a safe place and you might Please don't worry about how to do the meditation. You don't have to be in a lotus position. This is my personal advice. You can just be, as long as you're relaxed, you can be 
lying down if you like, or you could be sat up with your spine straight and shoulders relaxed and feet flat on the floor and your palms gently relaxed in your lap. Let go of any rigidity about how you should be and just as long as you're relaxed. Here we go. So what I invite you to do first and foremost, or to what I invite you to practice is to gently close your eyes. This can help reduce the, the level of distraction and help go inwards a bit, in it, a bit more. So gently close your eyes. If you wish to keep your eyes open, that's fine. You might just want to gently have a soft focus on the floor or on a flower. So let's start off together by taking full, deep, slow breaths in and out through our nose. So as you breathe in, I invite you to breathe deeply into the lower parts of your lungs. So feel your abdomen puff out. And breathe fully out. Beautiful. Taking deep, slow, full breaths in and out through your nose. With every breath in and out, feel yourself getting more and more relaxed. Just allow any tension in your muscles that may be there to simply melt away. Beautiful. You may be present to any noises around you. That's okay. Simply allow them to be and come back to your beautiful, nourishing breaths. And now you may be present to any thoughts or judgments, that's okay too. Just allow them to come in, observe the thought, observe any judgment, and allow it to pass through your mind and simply let it be. You might want to imagine these thoughts like clouds passing in the sky. Without focusing on them, simply allow them to pass. Then come back to your nourishing, rejuvenating breath. And now feel a sense of warmth, appreciation for something that you love, for something that you have. 
feel a sense of appreciation and warmth in the middle of your heart. So the middle of your chest area. Beautiful. If you wish, you can place your left hand on your chest area. And feel the lovely feeling underneath your hand. Think of someone or something that you love or care for or appreciate. Now bask in this beautiful feeling of warmth and breathe in this feeling into all parts of your body. Feel this sense of appreciation and love. Spread to every cell, every part of your body. And if you like to visualize, you can see golden light going all over you, filling you. See yourself shine brightly, golden sparkly all over. You are feeling whole, loved. You are feeling safe. And now take a couple of more deep, full nourishing breaths. And now Wriggle your fingers and toes. Come back into your body now. You might want to pat your arms and legs and slowly and gently open your eyes. And welcome back. Thank you, Dorka. That was beautiful. And it's something so quick and easy to do, even in the day, just to turn this on. And Dorka, on that note, where can people find more of your meditations? Ah, so work with a beautiful, there's a group of us and uh, our group is called In Your Element TV. And you can find us on various platforms, mostly on Instagram. So it's at In Your Element TV on Instagram. Uh, we're also on various other social media platforms, such as Odyssey, Rumble. You can also, we post regularly on Odyssey, Rumble, and Instagram, and also on YouTube and BitChute as well. So if you go on Instagram, we should have our website is www.inyourelementtv.com. And you'll be able to find our, what's the word? The link tree on there, where you'll find our platforms. Amazing. So Shami, I know you said two minutes. I just looked at my clock and that was about six and a half minutes. <laughs> but it went really quickly and it's it's going to be an achievement for many to do a meditation for six minutes. So that's <laughs> awesome. So, so good. Thank you so much, Dwaraka. Thank you for your time. And I hope everyone really enjoys the meditation. It's so needed in today's world. I agree. I echo that. And you'll be surprised. What I would like to leave you with is when you start, you may find, just like I did and just like I still do, find it difficult, depending on what's been going on. Please, the, the idea here is love and patience of yourself. So it gets easier and better with practice. And you'll find when you look back, 
as I share with patients or friends, and I've noticed myself, as you look back, you'll notice how far you've transformed compared to a similar reactive incident. You'll find, oh my gosh, I, I tend to, to sleep better or, or people around you will might comment, oh, you've changed, like in a good way. So give it time. It does get easier and easier as with everything with the regular practice. At least give it a go for weeks. I would say, you know, three to four weeks at least. Give it a go and see. Amazing. Such wise words. Thank you so much, Dwaraka. Thank you so much, Shami. Thanks for having me. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. Curious to learn more? Visit usawa.com.au and click on the Usawa Learning Platform, which is packed with educational videos, including the six-week stress-free challenge. Enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm.